I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Welcome to another edition of the Lost for Words DFS podcast. I'm joined as ever by Matt Vincenzi. Matt, hello. Hey Tom, we got another great week in store, huh? Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's it's a tough sled at the moment as a golf fan. I actually, as just saying to you that I, I don't mind this event as much as I thought at the start of the week. Um, when I did the betting podcast last night, I was struggling. Um, luckily for us, we we got to see your video with the tournament director. Um, ahead of time because otherwise we had no information uh, on this golf course. So that was a good get by you. Yeah, I'm glad. Uh, it seemed like a lot of people um, liked it and, and you know reached out to me and said thanks for doing it and they got all this stuff. I you know when I was preparing for this tournament I was like kind of looking ahead because I wasn't thrilled with the Zurich last week and um, my lineups weren't great and everything. So I was like, all right, I need some information on this course. I couldn't find any, so I was like, oh, let's go get it, go get it myself. <laughs> and, uh, and I did, and a lot of people could use it, so that was good. Yeah, that's what we want to see. That's the kind of innovation we need, right? Is if you yeah. haven't got it, go and get it yourself. So, um, like that, good work. Um, what do we expect from this golf course? I know sort of what you've touched upon in that video, but it, it kind of seems to me that it should be fairly, um, you know, open to birdies. I think the tournament director said 18 under was his winning score that he was uh, expecting. Bunkers are in play, quite a few of them, but doesn't necessarily seem to think it'll slow them down. Um, windy in the afternoons, he was saying on Thursday and Friday as well. So, yeah, th- these are the things that he said. Do I buy them completely? Nah, not really. I hope he's right about 1800. I think that'd be a, you know, a more entertaining way that um, this could kind of go down. But I don't necessarily believe it. If I had to guess, I'm thinking probably 21, 22, um, and potentially even more so. He said it's going to be windy in the afternoons. I've been looking at the wind finder. Today and yesterday, I, ha- I don't see it higher than 8 to 10 miles per hour in the afternoon. And I know on the coast sometimes I could feel a little bit more. Um, it might be a little bit of a, an impact, but I don't see it really slowing these guys down much. Um, but yeah, I, I'm praying it's not a birdie fest, but I think it might be. I think maybe even the afternoon stuff, do they suffer a little bit with the pass pattern growing a bit in the afternoon as well? So I still think that the morning wave will get the better of it. It just might mm-hmm. not be directly impacted by these kind of blustery conditions that you might have had you believe uh, on the video. I mean, it was great information. Um, seems to me that the event needs some help with the field. Um, you know, John Rahm's here, I'm guessing, as a favour to the PGA Tour. Uh, you know, there seems to be a lot of focus on there being... 10 Mexicans in the field, which he was very, very proud of, which, you know, that that's good. That's, that is what it is for. Um, but we also need to, to fill it up with some other uh, PJ Tour regulars. And, and Daniel Berger pulling out yesterday was another blow to a, an otherwise weak event. Yeah, we've seen fields where they have, like, whether it's Rom, Finau, Woodland, uh, that type of class at the top where it's a little bit weak. We've had that before. What we really haven't had is that the back end being so you know, low-ranked, and um, it's, it's, it's really like a Corn Ferry Tour event, pretty much, from from the 10th guy to the 120th guy. Yeah, and did you factor that in at all with, with kind of your selections, thinking that, you know, that there's there's going to be numbers here on players that are just going to be so hard to click, but people need to get past that mental block, and I used to be one of them that, you know, you don't want to be putting Sebastian Munoz in lineups at 9,800, and you don't want to be, you know, back in, I don't know, Cameron Champ, especially at 9,400, right? But these things kind of just happen when you've got a field of this strength. So, yeah, there's two ways to look at that. I think, you know, what you said is definitely valid. Um, you do have to get over that, you know, sticker shock 
you could call it. But I also think there's the other way to look at it, which is that I think there are a lot of guys in the maybe 100 to one range this week or 120 to one range who are have to carry the same amount of win equity as some of those in the 40 to 50 to one range. So in terms of outright betting, I think I, I pretty much just bombed the hell out of this thing. Um, and I post my column earlier today. I'm not really I, I don't want to pay up, pay that much money for Woodland or Finau or whatever. And we'll get into that when the in the uh, in the DraftKings bit. But but yeah, I think there's a lot of win equity down the board because I really do th- think that this thing is wide open. Yeah, I, I do too as well. I mean, my my card will reflect that. I think you know the the, the earliest price I went was Aaron Wise in the betting market, and I didn't feel great about it. Um, but it was one of those that I kind of pegged him for a big out, you know, uh, breakout season again or second breakout if you like uh, for him this year, and uh, it didn't, it hasn't kind of come. But the the closest he came was obviously Mexico uh, earlier in the year, and. I guess the courses are going to play, you know, different. Uh, there are different types of courses, right? But I do think that the Paz Palam is is a massive factor, and he just seems to play those kind of courses well. And I believe he can, you know, drive the ball well enough. So that was early. I went on uh, on the odds board, but certainly I think when it comes to DraftKings now, we've kind of got to consider. I sort of spoke to you the other day about you're going to have to pay for John Rahm at eleven three um, because everything else kind of sucks, but. I feel like you can either do that or you can completely fade the 10k above range and, and just kind of build a solid lineup from there. You could do either. And I'm going to play John Rom, and it's not because I think he's going to win, which I know sounds crazy. Because 11 3, normally we're like, you need 11 3 to win. They get 11 3, you need him to win. This, this week, I don't think that's the case because you could have five guys who are sub 7,500 in the top five. And if he comes in 11th, and he beats out, you know, a lot of these other top guys, you could still win with him in your lineup. Whereas, you know, the Masters, that's not going to happen because one of those 10K guys is going to be there. This week, that's not a guarantee. So I don't necessarily think he's going to win. I know it's maybe a maybe a bold take, maybe not, but I just, I I don't know why he's there. Um, I, it's, I'm a little hesitant to play him um, because of that, but I just, I still think he's much better than any of the, any of the other options. Statistically, he just blows this field away. And not only does this field not highly ranked and doesn't have the, the cachet and the names, statistically they're bad too. Um, when I looked, when I did my stat model this week, Rahm was the highest ranked player in any field I've ever had <laughs> yeah. this week. Yeah. Um, we, we ranked across the board. So, and, and I never, like I said, don't think he's going to win, but I, I, will, I will play him. Yeah, and I think that, like you say there, to, to kind of summarise that, I guess, is that you don't need him to be the best player. You just need to be the best person nine and a half and above. And that doesn't seem like a difficult solution when you look at uh, Tony Finau, 10-4, Abraham Anser, 10-3. Both of them have question marks. Kevin Niles running into a bit of form, but 10-1 wouldn't really, you know, be too excited about him. Patrick Reed at 10K definitely couldn't get to for me. Um, so I think when, when you start talking about people like Woodland, Munoz, Tringali, Kirk, Wise, all there at kind of the, the nine and a half and above, they all have merit, but none of them you would feel you know strongly about, or I certainly don't, apart from maybe Aaron Wise. So um, yeah, I think I think you can play Ram. And what's the ownership like on Ram? It's going to be high, twenty five, thirty percent. Yeah. So, so you you, you could take the stance of just going against him and praying that he doesn't even finish inside the top twenty, which, going by his kind of recent form, would suggest that he hates these putting contests and birdie fests. So, um, you, you maybe can fade him on that. But um, 
it just feels like if you do that this week, it, you're kind of relying on another top guy, and, and I don't know who I could put my trust onto. Yeah, you know, the other only issue with that is Woodland is is garnering a you know shitload of ownership here as well. He's in the twenty three twenty five range, so it's like if I'm gonna get thirty on Rom, if I'm, I'm not paying, playing Woodland, but I'd much rather have Rom. Um, and Finau is seventeen eighteen percent. Um, those other three guys are much less. And starting with Patrick Reed, I've been starting to kind of think about him. You you'll be on your own with with Patrick Reed for me. I, I just I I liked it when you could kind of buy him earlier in the season, and and it made a ton of sense. He was kind of at these big prices, and this just isn't one of them, right? I know he's made his last three cuts, or he's made his last two cuts, sorry, and, and played well at the ball played the match play but I still haven't seen enough like there's not even what did he shoot at the Masters like nothing better than a 73 I don't think that week and even at the players I think he had that one good round on Saturday as well so I think there's still problems the only thing I would say if it was like the the Mayakova I I would almost be tempted because I think they could get away with having a bad driver but if we're expecting it to be kind of this this long-hitting birdie fest i'm not sure he can keep pace yeah all good points um the things i did like about him one he's gonna be virtually unowned uh he was one in mexico um and he's been you know in my interview with the term director he talked about how reed's been there for a couple weeks getting ready and i i do think he is very motivated to play well which doesn't necessarily mean anything but um i think if there was a time to take a chance on him it could be in a place where he's won in mexico um where he's been focusing on this event and he doesn't have to beat that many guys. He has to beat Nye, Answer, and Woodland, right? If Rom doesn't win, if he wins, we're all screwed anyway. So, <laughs> um, so I, I thought about I thought about it, um, but I'm not I'm not sure yet. I might I saw 40 to one. Maybe sprinkle a little outright bet on him and not play him in DraftKings. But yeah, I understand your point totally. I think I think I think he's actually quite a fun pick, like because if he's going to be unowned, I always kind of view Patrick Reed as everyone thinks he's going to be contrary, and then he isn't because everyone thinks the same line of thinking. Um, but if he is truly going to be contrary, I, mean, I haven't seen him in a, in a whole bunch of uh, betting boards this week. I haven't necessarily seen any talk about him like on DraftKings. So uh, because you've just got Woodland there and you've got, I guess, Answer and, and, and people like that, they're a little bit safer. But yeah, I, I don't like any of it. I really, really don't like this 10K range at all. I, there's not one player I particularly feel strong about 10K and above. Uh, I don't even necessarily. I, I understand the Woodland thing, and, and I get it. Um, but certainly not sold him at, at massive ownership. I think I can I can skip past that. So you come into Munoz at ninety eight hundred, Tringali ninety seven hundred, Chris Kirk at ninety six hundred, Aaron Wise at ninety five hundred, and Cameron Champ at ninety four hundred. And we'll stop there. When I heard your kind of your your video call with the tournament director, I kind of thought about Cameron Champ in the hope that he can kind of just stretch out what he'd done at the Masters. But then we've kind of seen that that just is what Cameron Champ does at the Masters and seemingly nowhere else. And I'm a little bit concerned that, um, you know, he's definitely very volatile. And I, and I was hoping to actually bet him, but the, the, the betting number wasn't great. Um, yeah, I, I got a 70, so I, I did bet it. Um, I, I don't really have much else to say, but it's, it's just the obvious reason why everyone's betting him. I don't yeah. like to bet, but at 70 to 1, it's not something I... And I'm I'm fine paying 71 and not missing out in case it happens, so whatever. But um, I will say this. The last time when he won 3M, he finished 11th in his most recent start, and the most recent start was two weeks prior to the, the when he won. Two weeks ago, or the Masters, two starts ago, um, one st- his last start, he finished in 10th. So... 
I do think, um, and I said this to you before, he's a guy who shows when it's coming. Yep. Now, like you said, is it just because it's the Masters and he's and he loves the course, or is it um, because he's actually showing it coming? I'm not sure. Especially with Masters, you don't really get too much strokes gain stuff. So, so who knows? But um, I do think he's worth, you know, and he's and he's less owned than I expected because he's so popular in the betting market. I expect him to be really high owned here, but he's he's looking like 11, 12 percent right now, which. Um, but the, the problem with, that I have is the price is so high. Yeah, I mean, that's probably what's putting people off, right? I mean, he's, he's had two recent-ish starts at the, the Mayako when he was 10th and 33rd. So he missed the cut on his debut, but that was a pretty long time ago now. And he had shot a second round 62 uh, there, which which kind of gives me a little bit of hope that he can kind of get it rolling on these kind of pass-pattern greens. Uh, you know, we, we know he can drive it well. So I, I do think if, if he's going to get a little bit of lower ownership... That kind of started my teams with with Aaron Rye, uh, Aaron Wise and uh, Cameron Champ is uh, is a decent start if I want to just completely fade that kind of ten k and above. Yeah, um, it looks like a lot of the most of the ownership is coming from um, Kirk and and Wise. You know, Kirk around seventeen percent, Wise around fifteen. So um, I don't know what Kirk is really. I know he's been good, but these high prices I can't pay for him I know some people can and that, maybe that's a sticker shock for me but I have no interest in Kirk I do like Wise um, I thought he's going to be a little more popular than he is but this it just seems so strangely priced all of this and it, it, the ownership is reflecting that it's like just all, completely all over the place yeah what do you think of Brendan Todd because the kind of long birdie fest doesn't strike you as Brendan Todd right but when we talk about people that that obviously play well in Mexico, he, he comes to mind. He's obviously first 37th, 8th, and 11th at the Mayakoba. Um, he's been playing okay of late as well. Um, he's I've got him ninth in this field in adjusted strokes average over the last 15th weeks. Uh, so 8th, 26th, and 21st, his last three starts, um, obviously including the, the Zurich, which is obviously a bit of a funky event. But, um, you know, I think that that's, and there's enough signs there. He played well at the Texas Open to uh, to really give us some kind of hope that, that Todd could go well. He's he's low owned. He's definitely the lowest of the probably lowest of the entire 9K range. So you have that going for you if you want to play him. Um, I'm skeptical. Like you said, the length is not something where you're going to think about Brendan Todd. Um, I know in he's he's been good at Mayakoba, but. I still think of him as a short course guy. I know the places where, he, where he's won, and I, it's just a hard time paying 9300 for him. But now that you talk about it, I do like it because you're getting a huge ownership discount. And I think he has as good a chance to win as Knox, Streelman, you know, and he's won more than Chris Kirk. So I, I, I get the play. Yeah, and I think the only trouble I do have with Brendan Todd is he's not like a, a Zach Johnson who decides to perform on these really long golf courses when he shouldn't, right? He, he, he generally does... Like you say, play these short courses well and, and kind of stick to that. He's had some decent finishes in majors and playoff events and things like that that, that have kind of come as a bit of a surprise. But um, generally speaking, he does kind of let you know where he's going to play well. He's, he's won the Mike over one Byron Nelson, one Bermuda, um, full for the Heritage. You know, there's no real kind of signs that he's going to just break out and win a long course. But again, you know, tournament of champions, he's competing. When he's in form, I think he can do it. And, you know, he is in form. So. There, there is certainly things to like about Brendan Todd, especially the ownership. Yeah, and then speaking of ownership, the guy who's getting a lot here is Matt Jones in the at 9K flat. Uh, uh, he's he's not for me either. I know it doesn't seem like I really like anybody, but I kind of dipped down and 
and that's another reason why I thought I, playing ROM made some sense for me because I don't love this 9K range at all. I'm assuming Knox, Strillman, and Jones will all be fairly popular because you know they're, they're just names that in weaker fields they can be taken. Right? I don't ever really buy into Russell Knox as much as everybody else does. Um, I think I've probably played him in first round either a couple of times just to try and get him on board, but even that doesn't really work for me. The, the kind of name that I was drawn to was Doug Gim. Um, don't really know why either. Like it's not it's not necessarily uh, any any confidence in that. I just think that he could kind of take advantage of this weaker field. You know, what was he thirty fifth? I think it was at the Heritage, sixth uh, at the Players. Which again, is it just the Players like champ with the Masters because he's played well there in the past? But I do think Doug Gim can can get on the roll if he needs to. Yeah, he's actually a little bit popular. Um, not too much, but 9 or 10%, which is higher than I thought for that high price tag. He's another guy. He just, for me, is like feels too volatile to pay 8900 for. He's just a name uh, as well, right? Like People are drawn to him. You know, Pat obviously talks about him a lot on his show, and that, and that kind of garners a little bit of ownership in his own direction, I think, because he, he seems to... I thought the price was high. Like, and I thought the betting number was low as well. Like, I think I think that he just has a bit of name value now. He played in those players' championship a couple of times, and people just seem to be drawn to Doug in more than his actual skill set and maybe even form should suggest. Yeah, he he's missed four of his past six cuts, um, and it, it just feels a little volatile for me. If I was going to play somebody there, which I don't love the range, I'd rather play Tagala and just hope that he's a young guy who can reach his ceiling uh he hasn't been playing that well lately at all i know that but he was 22nd at corrales which was only uh you know three three four weeks ago and it's a, a pretty good comp to this course and the field isn't that much better either so uh i would rather play him than than gim and just hope you kind of hit that ceiling yeah i think like i think corrales puerto rico all those kind of things right are just what you're looking at like that and and the my cobra I, I don't necessarily like the my cobra as a as a comp but i just like the fact that they've played well in this region they, they do seem to just kind of translate form over so it's interesting with the gala because the upside of him is probably a lot higher than most people in this range like and i'm mean, including kind of matt jones kevin streelman all of that in that as well like we know what they are at this stage of their careers carlos ortiz is going to get a lot of decent ownership because he's sponsored by the team but even the guy the tournament director said that he doesn't even know this golf course as it is now so um plus he's just playing bad golf so i'd actually probably ignore carlos ortiz i, I agree um I'm, not, I'm out on carlos ortiz i think he's priced solely for that reason is that he's a vedanta sponsor sponsor and he's kind of mexican and all that stuff i mean nothing else would cause him to be eighty six hundred dollars with with the way he's playing right now he's missed four consecutive cuts um, was second at Mayakoba, uh, you know, a while ago, but yeah, he, he's not for me. Um, how about your guy, Aaron Rye? I know you don't usually like him, but it seems like he's, uh, kind of getting there. I know win player, I don't know if we're going to get that wind or not, but what do you think? So I said this on the best thing show last night is that I can't, every time it looks like Aaron Rye should work, he doesn't. And then he plays well where he shouldn't. I think, I think you might have even put him up at Tory Pines when I just had no reason to do mm. that, right? Like he was sick there. And you look at where he's played well. So he's played 15th at the Mayakoba, which you kind of would expect. But then he was 19th in Houston, wouldn't necessarily expect that. So when I think of Aaron Rye, I thought um, Sony Open, I thought he'd play well. Missed the cut. Uh, Pebble Beach, I thought he'd play well. Uh, Finished 64th. Um, Honda, finished 66th. And then Corrales, 75th. Like everywhere I kind of thought Aaron Rye could possibly contend, 
um, just not even been there. So that was a little bit of concern for me that it kind of looks like it's aligning and that's not necessarily a good sign. You're almost better waiting for Aaron Rice and not like he's going to play well. Um, and then suddenly he plays well at 6,400 and 201 or whatever. Yeah, I'm with you there. I'm, I'm not playing him. Um, I got, again, I it seems like I don't like anybody, but I'm really fading most of this 9K and, and 8K range. I just don't want to pay these prices for these guys. And the one guy I would consider would be uh, Tagala for uh, just kind of a ownership thing. A lot of people are playing Charles Howell. Why? I don't know. Doesn't feel like the spot for him. Do you know why? Uh, well, I tried that recently and, and it didn't work out, so I won't be going there again. Like, I guess again, if it was a, if it was truly a Mike type thing, then then yes, but it but it isn't, right? It, we, we kind of established that it isn't that kind of golf course, or we don't think it's going to be. It's tough because we don't know that for a fact. But to me, I can't see the same people just competing all over the board. It is going to be bigger hitters, and that's not Charles Howell. I don't think he's particularly short, but. He's not playing well enough to really put him in as a as a safety net. Yeah, and we're we're getting to my headline selection here. Naturally, on this show, we talk a lot about peak performance and having a whole package when it comes to winning golf tournaments. But you know who else focused on these two areas as well? Manscaped. Manscaped took their lawnmower 4.0 product and put it together with all the necessary components to make the performance package 4.0. Including this package is the Lawnmower 4.0, the Weed Whacker, which takes care of nose and ear hair, the Crop Preserver and Crop Reviver, which are essential for your balls, and two free gifts, including a premium wash bag and a pair of anti-chafing boxes. Now this set is normally $218, but is $130 for a limited time only, and with our 20% code LFW20, that will now be brought down even further to $104. In the UK, this will be £96 instead of £120. And again, the Performance Package 4.0 helps you and these elite golfers, if they so wish, stay in peak shape below the waist. That is code LFW20 for 20% off site-wide and free worldwide shipping on manscaped.com. Let's go. Come on. Let's hear the headline section. So this was a, the first guy in my in my betting piece. I don't think I've ever started the card at 80-1 to 1 before um, in what I've written up, but that's what I did this week. Um and it's Anirban Lahiri at 80 to one. Uh, I love Lahiri this week. I uh, I really strongly think that he can he can get in the mix here. Um, he's been great in past Palom in his career, uh, and not only in his career. Like look back in his in his results in 15, 16, 2017, we're all great. But even in his past 24 rounds, he's still fifth in strokes gain on total on past Palom. Um, so he's been he's been great. Um, he a lot of his he has two wins on the Asian tour. In, in Asia, there's a lot of past Palom there. He's very used to these types of courses. Um, Malaysian Open, he won. Um, he th- and that was the same course, TPC Kuala Lumpur, which is which hosted the CIMB Classic. Um, he had the 54 hole lead there in 2016. Finished third behind JT and Hideki. Um, and he's played good at El Camillion, Mayakoba. Uh, he's but has a 10th place there, 14th in 2017. And then last month of the players, I mean, I was very impressed by him. He, On Sunday, he was in the mix. We think he's the guy who's going to shoot plus six and screw off, and he shoots three under. And we really had a chance right down to the very last hole, had a chance had a chance to get a playoff there with Smith, uh, depending on what he did. So I think it's a good spot to get him. 80-1 to one was, you know, I was I was hoping for a little bit better, uh, but the 7,900 on DraftKings, I think, is, is more than fair. Yeah, I, I was drawn to Anavan Lahiri and didn't go there just because I didn't particularly like the 80s one, but I was looking forward to him as DraftKings. I did wonder if you were going to go with uh, 
Mark Hubbard there, who's someone that we'll be featuring on my uh, first round leader article, but nothing else. Um, that makes sense, yeah. But yeah, he was 13th at the Valero after finishing second at the Players. You could kind of expect him to drop off after that really impressive performance at the Players. But also, that 40th recently uh, at the Mayakoba this season, he was fifth after round two. He was 67-66, and then shot 70 on the on the third round, was still inside the top 17, and then just had a 72 on the last day. So um, plays really, really well in this region. 28th, 14th, 10th, 40th, which again, we just noted could have been a lot better. Um, you've obviously pointed out the positives of, of playing Asian golf as well. I mean, there's a couple of guys that I've, that I've got further down my card that buy into that. So I think, I mean, I don't know what the ownership's like, but if he was if he was anywhere decently owned, um, I, w- I would worry. But if he's, if he's low ownership, I think he's a perfect play. Six percent. Fine, absolutely fine. Like there's, I'm guessing, kind of Adam Long's getting a little bit of love at, this, at a similar price. Not really. Smotherman is the guy getting all the ownership. He's like fifteen percent. Well, Long him, is like six. Let him take it. I'll, I'll probably have Adam Long at that stage, and that's a, a good segue into him. Like plays, we know what Adam Long does. Um, only slight problem with Adam Long is that you think he's a long hitter because his name is Adam Long, and he isn't. Um, <laughs> he actually probably hits it the same length as you and I. So. Um, yeah, I think that Adam, and that's being generous to me, by the way, I can't hit the ball. But, <laughs> um, yeah, Adam Long, for me, is someone that I think could compete, kind of, I guess, in the Brendan Todd mould, that he just plays Mexico well, um, could just turn up here and take advantage of the pass pattern. So I actually kind of like Adam Long and Lahiri there, then at the kind of 6%. Yeah, um, I would play, I would definitely play Long over, I'm not playing a 15% Smotherman, no chance in hell. Uh, Stallings looks, he's gaining a little bit of ownership. Um I don't yeah. get the Smotherman thing because, like, every time we expect him to be good, he's been trash. And, like, 55th in Puerto Rico, which is was his chance to kind of step forward, did nothing. 33rd at Pebble Beach was fine. But it was kind of like that 11th place at Torrey Pines, and everyone's just gravitated to Austin Smotherman being a really good golfer. And hasn't kind of panned out that way. Like, we've, we've, I... we've seen people like this where they have good ball striking weeks and we latch on to them and, and expect it to happen forever, and it just doesn't. I think that's why people are playing him. Just like you said, that's the type of guy I always avoid. The, the popular guy who's usually in the 6Ks and he gets ra- raised up to 7,800 because he's been popular lately. That's kind of exactly what he is. And I think it's like people are thinking, all right, this is a great week to play and bet all the guys who I normally play who are low on, but they can't yeah. win because the field's too good. And now here's where they can actually win. And they've just been foaming at the mouth to, for that Smotherman win, which, which probably isn't coming. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm completely out on that. There's there's a name here that makes me shudder every time I kind of talk about him, but Nate Lashley is playing some decent golf right now. Aside from the heritage, he was seventh uh, Puerto Rico, twenty seventh Valspar, fifteenth Corrales, eighteenth uh, Texas. Hasn't necessarily done it in Mexico, but was thirty eighth there two starts ago. Uh, was fifth and eighth after the first two rounds and sixty seven on the final day. So he had one poor round that one week. Um, I think he can kind of move it, Nate Lashley, as well. He's not necessarily short off the tee. Um, I think he could be an interesting player at 7,500. He's oddly garnering some ownership. Uh, I thought that was a little strange. He's, a, he's like 12%, 13%, so I'm, I'm guessing people are seeing what you're seeing. Yeah. It's, it's, um, a, it's so... a current form, right? Like, it's like Of this 7K range, there's that I can't imagine there's too many candidates that have made four of their last five cuts. Um, yeah. The seventh at Puerto Rico. Yeah, and and just and has that decent finish. I mean, I don't think people have even noted probably that decent finish 
at Mexico two years ago because he was good for his 36 rounds per six holes. So um, there's some frightening names here, though. Like you mentioned, people that everyone's foaming at the mouth to play. I mean, like the likes of Patrick Rogers, um, like 7600. Even at 7600, it makes me shudder. Um, Brandon Wu, 7300, just weird. Like there's just people that I just can't understand the pricing. I was interested to see if Grillo could make this comeback after this really torrid run of form. Um, you know, he, he's just been terrible for for most of the season. Did have a 21st at the Genesis where he shot 65 in round three. And we know he likes Mexico. And that was just kind of what makes me think about someone like Emiliano Grillo. But I'm guessing you're going to tell me he's too high owned. No, and a couple <laughs> of things here. So he's not owned at all. Great and, news. And I bet him at 150 to one. Great news. And do I have any belief in that? No, but neither do I. <laughs> if, if he's play, if he was playing the way he typically plays, he's thirty to one this week. If Grillo had Nate Lashley's form, he would be the same price as Gary Woodland. Yeah, he exactly. And like I think at one hundred and fifty one, one hundred and fifty to one, it's just completely worth a shot just to say, hey, if he shows up this week, this is a field he can win in. It's a place he's going to feel incredibly comfortable at. Um, he hasn't been playing well, but I don't know. Is it? I, I don't feel any less confident about him than I would typically would. I mean, he's he's missed his last four cuts. Um, obviously not good. But when you get him in this region, he's he plays much better. He was sixth at Corrales last year, eleventh in Puerto Rico, eighth at OHL. It's just over and over again he he comes here. So 150 to one, 7200. No one's playing him. I think he's 100% worth a shot. He's got four top 15 finishes at the Mayakoba, and I'm pretty sure that eighth was about as worst as he could do as well because he, wasn't he leading through 54 holes? I think he was leading after 36 as well um, and just shit the bed. That, I think that was the year that the wide... Was that when he flipped off the ball? Yeah, probably. I mean, he yeah, probably yeah. does that every week, right? But yeah, um, yeah I think I think Rillo's great. I mean, if, he, if he's low-owned because of that, that current form as well, even better because... We just note these people that, I mean, people are going to go to kind of like Bryce Garnett, I'm assuming, uh, you know, because they they like Mexico form. Well, Grillo is that and is actually typically a better player. He's just having a bit of a rough patch. Yeah, I don't know if you saw my tweet about about Garnett. <laughs> I did um, not. I, uh, it, was, it was a funny picture of him doing like some, some symbol with his hands and he's... Uh, I said the Duke of Pass Palum, 251. Because he calls Perez the Perez the Prince. I call him yeah. the Duke because he just looks like a Duke. <laughs> but he uh, but he uh, I like I liked him too. But um, the guy who kind of I we skipped over because um, you mentioned his price is kind of a little bit over the top. And I don't disagree, but I'm really high on Brandon Wu this week. Uh, he's I'm seeing five percent ownership. Um, but I bet him 130 to one. And He's been playing really well on these on these types of courses as well. Um, Corrales and Puerto Rico this year finished 28th at Corrales and third in Puerto Rico last month. So the fact that he was third in Puerto Rico, I really liked. And he's and he actually had a pretty good collegiate career. He's a um, pretty decorated. He's only he's still only 25 years old. Um, Stanford guy. And then the previous year he was third in Puerto Rico this year. Last year he was seventh. Uh, won the Corn Ferry Tour Championship, and he beat a, a good deal of those young players who are kind of up and coming now. He beat a lot of those guys in that Tour Championship. So, I do think um, he, if you know, he's not going to beat Rom, but if he's in the mix with Austin Smotherman and you know somebody else, I think he can he can beat them. So I like him. Actually, I, you know, just to maybe revert back to what I said because again, uh, played in Mexico, finished 55th here 
2019, 2018 maybe. Um, 23rd after 36 holes, and that was before he was kind of what he is now. And like you say there, third at Puerto Rico, third at I think because... Because I find it so hard to get into Puerto Rico and Corrales and all that sort of stuff, you, you kind of miss out who's been playing well, like Nate Lashley, for example. I mean, people haven't missed him. Um, but yeah, I think that, that is interesting, Brandon. Well, I guess it's the four out of 14 cuts that kind of scare you uh, as it yep. throws on DraftKings. But that's going to be basically this whole field, right? It's going to be full of people like that. I was interested to see what Cabrera Bello could do. I mean, he, he just he's played well in Mexico multiple times at the WGC. Um, it feels like a trap I don't necessarily want to get too far involved in, but could there be something about him? You know, I said uh, in my other show this week that I always bet Vijegas, and I think, and I and I brought up RCB this week, and I said I think I have a weakness for men with vascular yeah. biceps. Yeah, I was gonna say it's just massive arms and, and tanned <laughs> bodies, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. But I like RCB. Um, going to be literally unowned for the most part. Uh, you know, you'd think he probably feels, um, you know, a little that more. That surprises me because I thought I thought he was a popular guy that had some sort of name value because people just they always try and find this kind of euro that's that's trendy, right? And and Cabrera Bello in Mexico kind of fits that bill. Sorry to cut you off there. I think for three years he's been that guy, but he just really hasn't done anything. And I think yeah. eventually people people have just kind of given up on him. I thought I saw his name pop up recently, and I could have sworn that I did. I don't know if it was on the DP World Tour. Or did they get off a hot get off to a hot start at the Zurich last week? But I, I thought the same thing because I was going to bet him, and then when I looked at his form, I was like, no, that's definitely never happened. So um, you know, Mr. Cutter Corrales, <laughs> bad at Puerto Rico generally. Yeah, I mean, he, he was second in uh, Abu Dhabi earlier in the season, so maybe that's maybe that's what it was. What we're thinking about, but it's it's been tough sledding since then. Um, but that's good. I mean, like with Grillo, I think you know these guys can just bring it back at any time. They're historically better players than the people they're kind of circled around. Um, and I've got some fun ones coming down at the uh, the 7100 and 6900 range. So I've probably got to find some actual good golfers before I get into to what I'm doing. So. Okay. All right. So I, I need I need a uh, definitive answer here. Are we going to play RCB or are we not going to do it? I think we're going to do it, and I think we're going to suffer the pain that comes with playing someone like RCB. Um, yeah, I like it. I think he's a, he's a good golfer. He's been around for a long time and, and has the skill sets to succeed. All right, let's do it. So that leaves, then, people that I want to come to. The last kind of guys I'm excited about is Danny Lee and Kiridek Afibarmarat. Both made my betting card this week, which is frightening, but also exciting. Um, Afibarmarat's sneakily been quite solid. Um, of late has two top five finishes in WGC Mexico as well which I really like um, but three straight um, made cuts Matt for a 6900 guy I thought Afi Barmerat was an interesting play yeah you uh, I, I talked to you uh, on DM the other day and you mentioned his name and I immediately ran immediately bet it just because I love betting him um, he's he's a fun guy to bet he's he can win in this field he can he can compete in this field there's no reason he can't I you know I think back to Wentworth, when he was the leader through 17 holes, and then he put like two balls in that bush area. But yeah. that was sh- that was a great great field. He should have won that week definitely, and like he won in Thailand, which obviously is, is just kind of what he does his home country uh, at the end of last year. But it's just that recent run of form that that kind of struck, kind of stood out to me. Like you got the Corrales, you got the Puerto Rico on there, like. It's where you want him to play well, and, and he's done it. So Kiridak have Barbara at 6,900. And Danny Lee's a little bit more 
uh, volatile. I think he's probably my first round leader playing more than um, fit, you know feeling really confident. But he's he's very very solid at my Cobra, and if any of that translates, then uh, I think we're in good stead. Yeah, actually, I bet him 150 before I talked to you, and um, he's a guy like you said, very volatile. Uh, is it? He could definitely come in dead last, no doubt about yeah. it. Um, but withdrawal. If, but if he, yeah, he's one of those guys, man, where it's like you look up and he's he's minus seven through eight. Yeah. And I think he could do that this week. I'll probably put him in my first round leader column too if he gets it early tea time. Just a, a quick side note: Are you going to go all early tea times? I'm thinking about that. Uh, so I have got one that isn't an early tea sign. So the tea times have come out. So Kiridek Afibama is the first group out. So he's on my first oh, round leader it. card. Bryce Garnett is the second group out. Oh yeah. Danny Lee third group out. Great. So all great stuff. Um, I have Aaron Wise as well on my first round leader card. Um, and who is the other guy I had written up? Uh, Mark Hubbard, who I believe is one of the first tea times in the afternoon. So I'm kind of covering myself a little bit uh, with one shot uh, in the afternoon. But, you know, yeah, generally speaking, I'm, I'm targeting the early tea times. Yeah, and, and going back to Kiridesh, nobody's playing him. And I, you know, I thought of something. I would rather – this is a, this is a stretch – but I would rather be on Kiridash if he has the lead going into the back time on Sunday at this tournament than I think it would be. I think that would be just as fun as having one of the top name guys at the BMW or something. It, it would definitely be fun. Uh, whether, yeah. whether it was successful <laughs> or not would, would be one thing. But I, I always just think with Kiridash that, like, he's just a guy, man. Like, he's just a gamer. Like, he's one of those, like, mercurial talents that's going to kind of, at some point, win a tournament you don't expect him to. You know, he did not look like he was going to win Wentworth when he did. Uh, every time he looked like he was going to go away for that round, he just fired back birdie and eagles back to back. He was he was just superb. Um, so yeah, I really like him. I, I like him more for this kind of first round play, like I do with uh, Danny Lee. But uh, yeah, I think you know for drafting purposes, if they get off to a good start in the first round, then then that's obviously good stuff. So um, and then it's Bryce Garnett at sixty seven hundred, which I'm assuming there's some popularity there. No, no. I, I'm shocked. I'm, I'm nobody's talking about him. And I looked at, I was looking at all these p- different uh, betting articles and whatnot, and I'm seeing the Smallies and the, all these other people. But like, they're forgetting about the old god. And <laughs> if this, if if this tournament was four years ago, everybody would have Bryce Garnett on their card. And there's nothing has changed since then. He still plays these courses well. He still is doing the same type type of things he's been doing throughout his whole career, right? He was seventh in Puerto Rico, uh, just in March. And he's still the Duke of Pass Palom, so I bet him. I'm gonna I'm gonna play him. He was fifth in Puerto Rico last year. Uh, I'm gonna play, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it all. Top five, um, first round leader. I'm, I'm I'm all in on on Bryce. Sixth, seventh, twenty fifth, fifth, eleventh, thirty second in Mexico. Like he's just so so solid, and it and it actually stretches beyond Mexico. Like it's Colombia, uh, Chile, Puerto Rico, Punta Cana. Like he just loves this region. Like he just comes alive and. When there's a player like that, you, you know, you just go with it. You don't question it too much. Um, another guy, a little bit, not to that same extent, but a guy that I've noticed has got two top 23 finishes in both his starts at the Mike Over was Bo Hoag. Um, no confidence whatsoever, but at 6,600, uh, you know, he played okay on the Corn Ferry a couple of weeks ago. He's 26, made his last cut at the Corrales. Uh, made the cut to Puerto Rico open as well. That's all he's doing, and there doesn't seem to be a lot of high upside on Bo Hogue at the moment. But I think he's someone that can get through the cut line. Yeah, maybe he could. Um, I, I'm probably not going to risk that one. But, yeah. 
I think I've played them once and it went horribly, and I just have like PTSD from that. Yeah, I mean that that sounds about right for Bohog. I did the same thing. I think did he go through like a little spell, maybe last year or the year before, where he actually looked like he was gonna do something on the tour. Um, yeah, I want Texas. I want to say it was last year. Yeah, he he actually looked like he could. I don't I don't want to say win because I don't think Bohog's ever been in a chance of winning on the PJ tour, but. It looked like he was in some steady form. I'm just trying to think. So he was 11th for the Barbasol, 16th for the um, 3M last year, 13th for the Moral. So maybe it was that kind of stretch there where I yeah. probably played him at like Wyndham where he missed the cut or something. So um, yeah. yeah, he's he's scary. But like 66, 15th, 54th, 26th, his last four starts, two of those being on the um, Corn Ferry. But we, you know we, we've kind of referenced already that this is basically a Corn Ferry event. He was 22nd in the Palmers at the start of the year on the Corn Ferry. Don't necessarily like those guys that kind of have to split their time between the two because they're desperate for this kind of week so they can get away from that corn fairy stuff. But after this, man, it just gets horrendous, like scary real quick. We've already bet all the dudes who we should be scared of. And we've yeah. Already, <laughs> yeah, we we've might already as well another one. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, you're getting real dicey down here. The, the, the couple guys that stuck out to me were Flavin. I know he got the kind of the exemption in and he's kind of the feel-good story if he plays well this week. But yeah. Um, and then uh, Barjon, who, for whatever reason, just sticks out in the stats for me. And I don't know if that means anything or not. But um, And uh, what's his, uh, Flavin was 22nd at, at, at Puerto Rico. so he's, he's made three out of three cuts on the PGA Tour this year, hasn't he? 17th at Bermuda, 22nd at Puerto Rico, 54th at the Corrales, which is, which is great. Monday queued into this. And I don't necessarily like those Monday queues very often, but it was last week that he Monday queued into this event as well. So it's not like he did it... Um, you know, today or yesterday. So, um, yeah, I like I like Flavin. I actually thought because some of the people that I talked to kind of talked about him a lot on their like shows and rise ups that maybe he'd get some ownership. But I'm guessing not a 6500. No, um, about two percent. So that's fun. Little, yeah, a little something. Um, Barjon is at about four percent, so he's kind of the highest in this range. Um, Scott Brown's getting a little bit at 6400. Other than that, really nobody else. So the good news is, is that you can anchor your teams with Patrick Flavin, Kirill Fafa Barmer, and Emiliano Grillo to leave yourself 9,800 left for your last three spots. Um, so, you know, you can have John Rahm in there if you want to with those guys uh, and still make a pretty decent lineup, 9K for the other two slots. So there is really... I don't know that there is actually a right strategy this week there's going to be a, a lot of mixed lineups and, and different ways to do it and i certainly won't be taking uh, a one-size-fits-all approach i think i'm just going to try and mix it up play some play some john rahm and, and get some lower guys in there but also try and do some balance builds but i don't i don't even know necessarily that you can do balance because the guys that are 85 8800 we just don't really trust no i think i might leave like nine thousand dollars on the table this week <laughs> yeah. i think the first one i built while we were talking had two thousand two hundred dollars left on the table and i was like that'll do you know that'll be unique. yeah um uh, but scary. that's why I, i'm forced i feel like i'm forced into playing rom yeah and but it but is, not... is that the thing it's just like you feel like you're forced to play into rom because you can't fill it out with everyone else and actually it's more that than wanting to play john rom i think is the, is the worrying thing about playing rom Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a combo both um, and with so many people having him though like if you don't have him and he plays well you're dead exactly yeah that, that's the concern right it almost feels like you're just pigeon holdings playing John Rom if you like it or not um, it's fine you know th- th- there's ways to make it work and, and very simple ways to make it work as well so um, 
Yeah, I think that's probably us done for the Mexico Open, unless you've got anything else, Matt. Um, but I, but I don't want to waste too much time on the on a tournament that looks very difficult to predict. But above the 10k range, who is the guy that you like the most? Uh, I'm going to go Ram. Yeah, I think he's got to be Ram. I, I hate everybody else. Uh, 9k range. Oh God, I don't like anybody. Uh, I'm going to go Champ. So I would have liked. I obviously like Wise, but from an ownership pivot, I quite like Brendan Todd. Uh, 8k. 8K, um, 8K, 8K. Uh, I'm going to go Tigala. Uh, yeah, this is tough. This is really, really tough. There's, there's literally, I actually don't like anyone, like, at all. Um, I, yeah, I don't like it. I, I think I would actually completely ignore the 8K range, but I'll take Mark Hubbard as a guy that I think can get through a couple of, couple of rounds. Um, 70 uh, or 7,900 and below down to the 7K? Uh, Lahiri, the winner of the tournament, of course. Lahiri, yep, I like that. I think that makes a ton of sense. Just looking through here for me, the 7K range is, is dicey. What, what I've said earlier there, I, I kind of like Nate Lashley, um, but I guess the ownership's a little bit off-putting. I'm going to go Nate Lashley. And then 6K range and below? 6K... Uh... I know you like Kiradesh. I won't steal that from you. I'm going to go with... Um, I like the Flavin. Yeah, I thought you might go Bryce Garnett. So, yeah, between oh, Bryce Garnett... Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go Garnett. I missed him. I didn't have him starred for some reason. Garnett. Cool. Garnett and Kiradesh Afibamra is uh, is the kind of anchor you need on your team. Uh, Matt, I think that's a, a good job well done for this tournament. It's uh, certainly a labour of love when you get tournaments like this. Um, we do have the Wells Fargo to look forward to next week, although it is on a different golf course this year. It's TPC Potomac because uh, they are having the year off to do the President's Cup, I think. So um, good tournament to look forward to next week. And uh, thank you very much again this week. All right. Hey, all, uh, all money's green. So if we win this week, it counts just the same. Exactly that. Exactly that.